0: Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, Ghost, nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 21, Part 3 of The Enemy of My Enemy. As always, I do hope you've been enjoying this little stroll through the AVP universe being retold in my own voice. And I do hope that you can share, like and subscribe to it, wherever you can. If you can leave feedback too, that would always be well appreciated. If you can go to fanfiction.net, archiveofyourown.org, or even my own website, ghostnobody.com. Just leave the word podcast in the title of the comments so I know which one you're referencing. And, you know, if you while you're there at ghostnobody.com, head over to the ghostly link section. Check out Mortis. It's for sale on Ma- Smashwords and quite a few of the other vendors now, like Apple Books, Barnes Noble, etc. It's my original tale, told in my own words, again. And uh, it's the first original novel that I ever wrote and have published. So... You know, I hope you'll support me and pick up a copy and enjoy the tale of a one-legged, grumpy ex-SAS sniper and his alien Katal Katkul companion as they fight their way through a zombie-infested Earth in a bid to try and escape. But what will fate have in store for them? Well, come along, pick up a copy and find out. You can only help support me as you do. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Oh but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own any VP or anything to do with it. This is fan fiction. So don't send the uh, copyright infringer hunters after me. And uh, I just own the sexy yujuta huntresses. they They're all mine. And firstly or lastly I should say a bit of a trigger warning here. This chapter does contain some, you know, sensitive subjects in the sort of sexuality form. And uh, these can be kind of disturbing and, what's the word, upsetting for some people. So, do say that you have been warned. If you've read this once already, then you know what's coming. If you haven't, consider yourself now warned. So, let's get on with the show, shall we? Chapter 21, Part 3. Love Hurts, or so they say. Spike felt kind of nervous, working on Rico's comm unit with Tickel hovering over his shoulder. She was watching him intently. The other case opener was manipulating the delicate circuitry inside, circuitry inside with a small laser probe. What is that you use, Ooman? She asked, watching his hand movements with great fascination. Uh, a laser probe. It allows me to find and seal the micro and the connections and circuitry traces and solders. Spike said, lifting it up to show it to her. To be fair, it did look like a very fine-tipped pen, but when coupled with a digital magnifier on his head which magnified his eyes to anyone who looked at his face while he was wearing it, it magnified whatever he was seeing greatly as well. He could have opted to have had the cybernetic enhancements fitted to his eyes to assist him, but honestly, cybernetics like that kind of creeped him out, which was kind of hypocritical of him in a way. Given that he knew that some of the biggest tech, he was the biggest tech head going, king of the nerds, as it were. And with this, you can use it to fix the broken unit? She asked, and he nodded. Well, in part. This will let me fix the damage to the circuit board, but that's only one part of the damage here. Reaper must have taken a serious hit to do that, this much damage. But then again, Reaper's as hard as they come. It's totally like him to get beat to fuck and then keep on going somehow he said admiringly. His sergeant was one of his idols and was the main source of pride for him that a man such as himself considered him a friend especially as when he was one of the few people who'd seen both his medical and his service records the man was one of humanity's most decorated soldiers. Because the spirits were a top secret organisation their service records and in fact their personnel files were completely classified. Not like stuff like that actually stopped humanity's best hacker. Reaper alone had 23 medals, including top of the five honours the human soul you can receive. The gold star of honour, given for tremendous courage in the face of the enemy. He got that one for pulling a squad of colonial marines out, who'd been captured by pirates and being ransomed. The mark of a hero, given for standing alone against insurmountable odds. He got this for being the last man standing after his entire squad was wiped out by slavers on a rescue mission to save colonists. Not only did he rescue the civilians, but he took out the entire slaver team single-handedly after his team was lost. The Humanity Cross. Given for exceptional service to humanity and saving of life. Also given for rescuing another entire colony from slavers single-handedly saving over 3,000 lives from being taken as slaves. The Legion of the Dragon. This one was the rarest one of the five, because what it required to obtain it, it was received by giving your life for humanity or its allies, kind of like an old American award called the Menal of Honor, and in order to receive this award, it was almost pretty much single-handedly handed out posthumously. You died heroically in service to humanity, or in that case, your country. There were only five recipients still alive, and he was one. Technically, as when he received his cybernetics, he was dead, and he revived later on. The last of the five was the least well-known of them, as its existence was a complete secret, known only to those who had received it. And it was called the Mark of the True Ghost. Given to those Cobra operatives who went well above and beyond the call of duty in defence of humanity. Quite a few spirits had this one, though none of the others knew who had it because exactly of the nature of it. It wasn't a medal, it was a tattoo, done in a very unique ink that only showed up under very specific and special kinds of light, and had a very slight and unique radioactive signature to it. It made it pretty much impossible to copy. Spike was also chuffed to know exactly where Reaper's tattoo was. Once he'd learned of it, he'd decide to try and locate it. So once, while Reaper was in Decon, he'd reprogrammed the lights to give off that very specific light frequency, and when Reaper had looked up to see what was going on, he'd revealed it on the back of his neck. Are you saying that this Reaper is a better Umand than you, servant? T'kel said, making Spike snap up from his happy memory. "'of his friend and balk at her words, but he sighed heavily. "'I suppose in a lot of ways, yes, mistress, he is, "'but he cannot do the things I can. "'So we all have our strengths, and this here, this is mine,' "'he said a little sourly, but the cow didn't look all that convinced. "'You should take pride in yourself, old man. "'If you come over as weak and pathetic, "'then this is how everyone will see you. "'Is that what you wish?' Have seen as weak and pathetic all your life? She asked in a surprisingly flat tone of voice for a rather insulting question that she'd just laid at his feet. I'm not pathetic, he yelled at her in a flash of anger, and he saw her draw herself up, obviously not used to being yelled at, especially by an man. Watch your tone, man. Remember who you were talking to. If I had not made a promise to my sister not to strike you, we'd be laid in a pool of your own blood right now. You will show me with respect. I am your mistress. You will remember this. She snarled in a voice so menacing it made his blood run cold and his heart feel like it stopped beating for a moment and turned to ice in his chest. Yes, mistress, he said in a voice laden with both fear and self-hatred. He was a sleet spirit for crying out loud. He hated being beholden to her like this having to call her mistress was like she was some kind of monarch or something was utterly degrading though he supposed it was his fault in the first place if he hadn't have played that punk on marchant to shara then they wouldn't have decided to get a little vengeance on him and land him in this situation and he did suppose that reaper had saved his ass by turning her vengeance off by offering her service to her for stealing of a kiss but didn't they realize that that was his first kiss too so, didn't that technically make it a fair trade? That's when her actual words sank in a little deeper among his thoughts, and he realised that Tashara had made her promise not to hit him, which meant that she had designs to do just that if he'd stepped out of line. Fuck. He knew that Yujuta could be violent at times. Okay, most of the time. Okay, all of the time. But hitting someone who's supposed to be serving you? That just seemed like an old kind of load to him, and overkill at the same time. Good. Now remember your place, old man. You are my servant now, gifted to me by your commanding NCO. You are to follow my commands, whatever they may be, and to serve me with respect and honour. And I will not have my servant being a weak, honourless pork, who is disrespectful to his mistress. I have read much of the old ways of how my kind hunted yours for sport, as a deadly prey. When an individual was deemed of high enough skill and worth, they were captured, not killed, and they were gifted their life for providing the hunter or huntress with an exceptional hunt. Instead of killing them, they were taken into servitude and taken as a place place of a personal attendant, a place of great honour, I might add at their hunter's side. It showed that they were strong enough prey to be considered worthy of their life, Takel said proudly. Spike was barely able to hide his disgust at this. The thought of his people being hunted for nothing more than amusement of another's people sickened him, and it showed. Takel once again showed how frighteningly observant she was. She noticed his silent expression. You find this distasteful, man she asked and he winced, but he figured it would be pointless trying to lie to her as something told him she'd be able to see straight through it. "'Wouldn't you? If your people were being hunted and killed for fun?' he said bitterly. She clicked her mandibles in an annoyed fashion. "'What? Do your people not hunt and kill for pleasure? Do your people not hunt the animals of your world for food or for sport?' "'To test your strength as a warrior or as a hunter?' she asked defiantly. "'Not people, no. Animals, yeah. Non-sentient life, never. "'Other sentience, it's just brutal,' he said darkly. "'But rather than look annoyed, Takel now looked amused. "'Oh, come now, man. We both know this is not true. "'You colour your own history to suit your needs.' I have studied your culture and history as well as my own. For as long as I can remember, your kind have fascinated me. One of the only species who killed more of its own kind than any of the others did. All the wars among yourselves, you have fought over petty things like land or resources. Then there are the rural tribes of your world, who would hunt and kill each other for power. Who would not only hunt and kill one another, or kill other Umans would make trophies of them too even eat them so do not climb on a high horse with me old man when it comes to brutal your people put mine to shame at least we hunt one or two of you your kind hunted entire clans to extinction she said with a dark voice that sent shivers down his spine and nausea crossing up his throat with bile like bitterness we moved past that a long time ago ''We evolved. Adapted. There hasn't been a war on Earth since we found out we weren't alone in the galaxy,'' Spike said, trying to focus on his work. But his hands were developing a whole new tremor to them. Takel clicked her mandibles in amusement. ''I not talk of now, man. I talk of the past. My people have not hunted yours in a great many years. Not since we became allies.'' But long ago it was considered a test of strength and of honour among my kind to be able to hunt your kind. There were two prey that were considered worthy. The ones you call the xenomorphs, what we call the chiramandi. Then it was your kind, because of how you fight back. Your kind might be considered physically weak compared to mine, but your real strength is how you fight when you are cornered, like wild animals determined to cling to life. Few fight like Umans when cornered. I've seen this on battlefields countless times. Umans are at their best when under pressure. When you are not sloppy, lazy and complacent. But apply the right pressure at the right time. And primal Uman instinct survive kicks in. And you become best, strongest, powerful prey. Determined, cunning, deadly. Everything my kind looks for in a prey. This is how many times even primitive Umans beat us, which is why hunters of old came across particular Umans who fought with such ferocity, such power and strength, right to the bitter end, that they feel it was a shame to kill them, shame to take their skull and put it on a wall. Much better to put a collar on them and show that Uman off, show all the other hunters and huntresses what it is that you have beaten with your will. "'that they are allowed to live on and to serve their hunter and huntress who bested them. "'The hunter or huntress get powerful servant. woman gets their life. "'Is win-win,' she said with a note of pride coming back into her voice. "'Spike shivered at this thought again. "'But somehow, a lot of it made a kind of dark sense to him. "'But he couldn't help but wonder if under those circumstances "'wouldn't it have been better to be dead than rather than be a slave.' But then if you fought that hard to hold on to your life to live would you want then to live on even if your true life wasn't your own anymore? Would there be a point to being alive and would that be enough? Yet again T'Kel noticed his train of thought as if it was rumbling down the tracks of his mind. You are wondering why anyone would accept such a life, aren't you, man? He said and he stiffened hard, tensing his shoulders which made her laugh as she caught him out. Her laugh was deep and rich. "'I can't just help but wonder who would willingly wish to be a slave. "'To give up your life like that. "'To live a shamed existence bereft of your own free will "'to do as you please with the life that's yours, "'or no longer yours as the case may be,' he said thoughtfully. "'Takel clicked her mandibles thoughtfully, "'as if considering how she would feel if put in this position. "'Is it not better to live?' If you fought so hard to be alive and to not die, and then the one hunting you gives you a chance to live not just die, isn't that preferable to live in service and to still be alive rather than just as a dead trophy hanging on a wall? She asked. Spike thought about that. His mind cast back to the slavers on Earth of his history classes all those moons ago. We learned of how humans took other humans as slaves. How more specifically... The blacks of Africa sold their brethren to the whites and they were enslaved over how hard they fought for equality and equal human rights. A point well at home in his head, being in him black himself and of his own history of his own people, so to speak. A real dark stain on humanity's history, to be sure. In fact, he had learned through the history that his own family had once been slaves. Forced to work on a plantation in the great state of Alabama. But in a kind of twist of fate, he'd learned that his distant grandmother, he wasn't how many sure how many great she was, had fallen in love with one of the plantation owners' sons, and when the Civil War had broken out, they had fled to the north and were married. Something that was truly rare in those days. His family had disowned him for it, and his wife had lived in simple poor lives, but they'd been happy from the journals he'd read. She'd gone from a slave to a beloved wife. So he figured that there were cases indeed where slavery in a kind of odd way had turned out for the better. But as a whole, the practice was just a disgusting thing and it all disgusted him beyond words and beyond feelings. It was a hateful practice and it was burned as a pretty dark stain in his racial and cultural mindset. The thought of belonging to someone as anything other than an equal sickened him. Which is why he guessed he hated this so much. Despite the fact that she hadn't actually done anything to him, it was the fact that she could order him around and make him do stuff that he had absolutely no say in. Granted, being in the military, that sort of thing happened every single day. But still, he wasn't a slave. He had a say, however small it was, and it could be ignored. But his opinion was heard. And then, his skills were respected. He decided to go with a diplomatic answer rather than answer with all-out anger. Because that was a battle, he just really didn't fancy fighting right now. I suppose it would depend on the master or mistress now, wouldn't it? I mean, if you belonged to someone who treated you well, was kind to you, who didn't he hurt you needlessly just to prove that they could or because of their dominance over you, then you could probably tolerate it. But if that person was cruel to you, belittled you, hurt you, tormented you, then in my opinion it would be far better to be dead. My skull might be hanging on your wall or you could use it for a piss pot for all I care because where my soul is, you can't touch it. I would be at peace in my final rest. So yeah, being taken like a person like that, I'd wish for it and probably actively seek it rather than just endure torment to just be alive he said "Takel clicked her mandibles thoughtfully and looked at him in what looked like both surprise and what he could have thought was admiration it was obvious she had not expected the old man to reply in this manner she had expect, in fact expected him to be on the side of the view that he would cling to life no matter what but his answer had actually showed that he didn't fear death as much as she had thought maybe there was more to him than met the eye she would have to investigate this Uman's had been a particular fascination of hers for a great many years. She had met many spirits before and fought alongside them. She had fought alongside the um- Uman colonial marines as well. For her Marini, the marines were a bunch of undisciplined porks who barely knew which end of their weapon to point at the enemy. But the spirits? Now they were vastly different. Granted, they were made up of a great many species. Not just humans but the Uman spirit she had met was strong and very capable individuals. It granted them a great measure of respect among her people. Spike himself was among their number, so that garnered him the same respect, because she had heard tales of how their grueling their training was. In fact, it was this that had put her off wishing to join them herself. Though, from what she understood, he didn't apply, they chose you so for whatever reason they had chosen this weak-looking Uman, and he had survived their training. So that granted him some measure of respect, but his behaviour and his personality were different, vastly different in fact, to what she would have imagined to expect of such a professional soldier. In the far past her people had hunted Umans as prey, the strongest among them had been chosen to be hunted. Sometimes these individuals won the hunt too, killing the hunter or huntress, which meant they were released without any comeback, and even given a gift from the hunter or huntress's clan as a mark of skill and their respect. Though more often than not, the reverse had happened, and the Uman themselves had been killed, and their skull and spine had been taken as a trophy to mark the successful hunt concluded. Though there had been numerous occasions where the Uman in question had just been hunted, and had been of such exceptional skill and determination, that even at the end, they'd been bested by the hunter or huntress. They simply didn't have the heart to kill them. Instead, they took them as a personal attendant. Granted, yes, this was a form of slavery. The woman in question forfeited any right to freedom or free will. They lived now to serve their master or mistress, bending their, to their whims and wills wherever they may be. But... There had been a great many recorded cases of these relationships blooming, creating both a friendship and an odd form of kinship between the two. There were even a great many whispers, of a great many of them becoming something far deeper behind closed doors. Though because at the time it was a death sentence to mate with any other species other than a Yejuta, none of these relationships were written down. Other, of course, where the one had been caught... "'and they'd both been put to death in disgrace. "'And there had been more than a few of them, "'which led them to believe that it had happened very frequently indeed. "'To kill herself was no stranger to sex or to sexuality. "'She had rutted with usual to males on numerous occasions "'when the feeling had taken her. "'Now it had not been unpleasant indeed, "'been quite the opposite on quite a few occasions.' But she did, ha- however, feel that it was lacking in some way. Like there was some part of the thing that was missing. Though what that was, she had no idea. When she had first read that these Yejuta had been put to death with their attendants for such relationships, at first had wondered why any Yejuta in their right mind had risked dishonor by and disgrace by doing something like that with an Uman. What could drive them to wish to risk everything for a quick rut with an man, with a prey species, something so inferior to them.' "'Then the lore had changed. "'After the actions of Clan Mason "'and the legendary tick Aleph Mason, form- "'formerly of the Shadowclaw Clan, "'this sparked the existence of the Ooman Hunt, "'an agreed event that was agreed "'with the leaders of the Uman world, "'where huntresses and hunters "'were allowed to come to the Uman worlds "'with the intention of hunting themselves "'a mate among the Umans. "'At first she thought it was stupid "'and disgusting practice,' who in their right mind would want to wish to mate with an ooman, a porking prey species. But with the popularity of it, and the ever-increasing numbers of their kind that promoted it, it became clear to her that there was obviously something to it, that so many of her brethren were being lured away by it. However, what that was eluded her. Maybe this ooman servant of hers could enlighten her. At the very least, it would be fun to act out a fantasy... She's had for a great, very long time, it's while she'd ha- and she developed it while reading the history of her people, to be a great huntress who fought a strong prey, and rather than kill him, took him as her servant, as her slave, as her personal attendant. So, you do not fear death, woman. She asked, interested in his response to this as she watched him work on the delicate electronics with such incredibly fine dexterity that she couldn't help actually be impressed with it. Spike sighed heavily, which irked her slightly. She didn't like the way her questioning seemed to be bothersome to him. She was just about to remind him of his place yet again when he answered her. It's not that I don't fear death exactly. Of course I do. I like living and I like being alive. In fact, it's my favourite thing and I want to continue to do it for as long as possible. It's the fear of death that drives my will to survive and to fight on. But I think that under the right certain circumstances, it'd be preferable to be dead. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to suffer. If I can get away with a quick and painless death, I'll pick that every time. I mean, you'd have to be another sadist or a masochist or something to want to die in screaming agony. But again... It's part of my world too. I'm a spirit, and it's something I'm damn proud of. I achieved something so very, very few ever get to. And it's a source of constant pride for me. And it puts me in the face of death pretty much on every other day. Plus, if it means saving the lives of innocent peoples, or of my brother and sisters in arms, then I'll gladly do it. Die, I mean. But it's not something I seek out. And it's not something I can say hand on heart I'm not afraid of. I worry about what comes next if it's going to hurt when I do go. Certain things like the existence of those dream warriors who know that there's an afterlife do make things a little better. But you've still got to worry about it. He said in such an earnest voice that she forgot her anger at his attitude. It had been a surprisingly honest and earnest opinion deli- delivered with something like surprising maturity for someone who she perceived to be immature because of the pranks he played on others. Hmm... Maybe. I think I see your point, man. I mean, I would wish to f- certainly for a quick, clean death rather than to suffer a slow, painful one. But I believe the attitude towards death itself is a foolish one. It will find us all, eventually, regardless of place or status, or time indeed. When it is your time to go, and is your time to be called, to have a chance to know when that time will be is a gift that seldom few ever get. "'but when the time comes, all you can do is face it with dignity and honour. begetting a warrior,' she said. "'Spike seemed to think about this and nodded in agreement. "'I believe you're right there, Mistress. "'I wouldn't want to die like a coward screaming and bawling like a child, "'but that doesn't mean I'm not going to fight for my right to exist or to live, "'or even to live as I see fit. "'It's a right humanity has earned and fought long and hard for, "'and I'll be damned if I ever give it up,' he said. that last part caught her attention quite clearly, and she tilted her head curiously. "'So, for the sake of argument, Ooman, if this were the olden days, and I had hunted you and defeated you in combat, but rather than kill you and take your skull as my trophy, instead taking your life as my trophy and keeping you at my side as my personal attendant, what would you have done?' she asked curiously. Spike looked thoughtful for a moment, stopping his movements on the comm unit. "'Hmm. Tried to escape, I guess. "'But if I couldn't do that, I'd have found a way to kill myself "'without having to suffer too much. "'Probably a fast-acting poison or a high-voltage shock. "'I'm pretty damn good with electronics, "'so I could probably easily rig up a device "'to deliver a high-amp charge and kill me instantly without any pain,' "'he said flatly. "'Takell looked both surprised and shocked at this response. "'She actually felt hurt and disappointed at his lack of enthusiasm.' being given such a post of honour among her people, or at least what was in the past a post of honour, as it was now illegal and punishable di- by death to take an ooman or any sentient slave. "'So you would rather kill yourself than be my servant?' she asked, shocked. He looked at her, obviously something, sensing something amiss. "'I'd rather kill myself than be anyone's servant. Please don't take that personally, Dikel. You have to take into account the struggle of my people.' by that I don't just mean humans, I mean specifically black-skinned humans, he said. She cocked her head curiously, forgiving the point that he had not called her mistress, instead using her name like they were on equal terms here. There's a difference, she asked, and he shook his head. No, but that's the point. In the olden days, as you say, black-skinned humans were seen by white-skinned humans as little more than cattle or beasts of burden for anyone of white lineage to do with whatever they pleased. Regardless of our wishes, we were tortured, beaten, humiliated, raped, lynched, all for the great crime of being black, and to trying to live a life we were given. So, as you can imagine, it burned into us a great sense of injustice, of a yearning to be free and to live our life by our rules, not by anyone else's. So to us, to have known slavery and servitude... It's an intolerable thought to have it forced on us again. We'd rather die free than live chained. It's a dignity thing. So please don't take it personal. And for what it's worth I won't let you down as a servant here. My service here is a punishment for me for going too far with a prank. And it's not the first time I've had to pay penance for it. I once had to scrub, scrub the damn gym clean for a month after Inferno did her training. Simply because I dyed her dreads neon pink. "'while she was asleep. "'She never could figure out how I kept getting past the security into her room, "'but she constantly keeps forgetting that I'm the one that programmed "'the security systems in the first place, "'so I have all the master bypass codes for everything. "'So breaking into her room is a snap, "'though not waking up her up is the hard part, "'but I'm pretty sure I got that down to a T now,' "'he said with a bit of a childish grin. "'If you had dyed my breadlocks pink, "'I would skin you alive and wear your skin as a loincloth,' In fact, I'm surprised my sister lets you get away with it, the girl said in a very matter-of-fact voice. Well, in essence, she doesn't let me get away with it, as you say. She always hunts me down afterwards and punishes me in some way or another, like making me clean the gym after she's trained in it. And Boy, you that girl can sweat up a damn storm, let me tell you. It was getting the blood out of the damn mats after her and Reaper had been practising martial arts as a nightmare. Juta blood does not wash out. "'Spike said in an irate voice, and Tupacal looked surprised. "'He beats her at hand-to-hand combat?' she asked, and Spike nodded. "'Not all the time. "'Understand the pair are pretty evenly matched, "'as they only go as far as they do because they utterly trust one another. "'Inferno has her Halkath training and her spirit training, "'not to mention her size and strength going for her. "'But Reaper is a lot faster, "'and with his cybernetic enhancements he actually has the edge on her.' Granted, he never uses that is that arm of his on her at more than 10% power anyway, but it, it makes them pretty evenly matched, especially when you take into account her hunting instincts and, well, his combat processes, as well as his massive amounts of experience in the field. The pair always do wind up knocking lumps out of one another, he said with a note of pride in his voice for his two comrades. Tekel actually felt insulted that an woman could beat one of her kind in hand-to-hand combat. And it made her interested in what this training of theirs actually involved. But she knew that he'd never give that up. Spirits were sworn to secrecy when it came to their methods. So he wouldn't tell her, no matter what. But she couldn't help but wonder how. Though, to be fair, Reaper has that arm of his and it is a major advantage. I mean, he can punch through two feet of thick titanium with the damned thing. Plus... "'It's got all kinds of cool features. "'I should know. "'I fitted and designed most of them,' he said proudly. "'As they'd been talking, he'd returned back to work, "'and once again he was gliding his dexterous hands "'around inside the comm unit. "'I've never lost a hand-to-hand match "'against any species, human, scalophore, flannous, "'synthetic, or even any of my own,' Tekal said proudly, and Spike looked her up and down, "'pausing only briefly from his work. "'Yeah, you do look pretty damn strong,' Got to admit, saying that about a Yejuta is really saying something too, as you all look pretty strong. Plus, I'd say by your scars, you're definitely a veteran in more than a few battles or hunts. They really do set off your look. Makes you look kind of refined, you know. I've met more than a fair, fair share of Halcrath. Most of them are missing some body part of one kind or another. Makes them look more scary than anything. But with you, kind of makes you look seasoned. "'The way you'd expect a proper shooter veteran to look like. "'You opted to replace what you lost. "'Obviously to ensure that you kept your combat edge, "'and that's smart. "'Means you value effectiveness over vanity, "'and that's smart. "'Like that cybernetic, eyes of, cybernetic eye of yours. "'I bet it replaces some of the work of your hunting mask "'when you're not wearing it, "'making you even more effective in the field,' he said. "'And for some reason that made her swell with pride.' That even this little ooman could recognize her prowess as a warrior and a huntress at simply a mere glance. It showed that he was rather more observant than she'd given him credit for, a skill found in all great hunters and warriors. So maybe there was something to this ooman after all. Plus, his words did do him credit and honor, so maybe she'd forgive him that slip of not calling her mistress earlier. Exactly right, ooman. "'While I wear my scars with pride, as any true Yejuta should, "'I will not handicap myself in battle, just to prove a point. "'I will not lose or put myself in a situation where I'm disadvantaged "'because of stupidity, vanity or pride,' she said, and Spike nodded knowingly. "'Now that is smart, you know, mistress. "'I bet I could tune that eye of yours up. "'Made it indistinguishable from your real one. "'Not to mention giving it a new smart targeting and maybe a few other systems too.' Kind of just like Reapers. Not exactly spirit tech, exactly, given that I designed it. But it should give you a serious upgrade. Plus it'll only take about five minutes. I always carry my repair kit around for working on the team's gear. And I do happen to have two multi-spectrum lenses in here too. So, with your permission, of course, he said. And was utterly surprised by his generous offer. Totally out of character, she found herself just nodding her consent to him. Spike gave her a warm smile that was so utterly fetching for some reason. Cool. righty. Let me just finish up here and I'll get you all tuned up. So you just go ahead and pop the thing out and set it down over here, please. He said tapping the makeshift workbench made out of the AC cooling unit he was currently working on. T'Kel hesitated for a moment. Not having her eye in would make her vulnerable. But something told her that she could trust the seemingly weak woman. So she reached up and with practice skill popped the eye from its cranial connector and placed it down, sending half of her vision black. Alrighty, comms unit is up and good, isn't you? I'll give it to Reaper as soon as I can. Now, let's have a look what we got here. Hmm, a Model 6, huh? Kind of old, if you ask me. I would have thought a huntress of your distinction would have gone for a far newer model. But okay, I can work with this. Now, let's see here he said, mostly to himself rather than to her. It seems she felt a little insulted by him calling her eye old though, which she made known by clicking her mandibles angrily at him. He noticed, but she he knew she knew he would he would do. She said nothing. Spike opened his portable anti grav clamp system, which lifted the eye up and rotated it around. With a couple of clicks of his laser probe, the eye opened up and revealed it's inner workings to him. Hmm, some modification in here. Ah, fucking butchers. How can you even see through this? God, I hate it when amateurs try to piss about with things this sensitive. Alright, let's get this crap out of there. Okay, let's see. New lens matrix, new processor core, new cerebral uplink, new filter system... Better tune it for Yajuta, not human. Okay, combat processor. Uh, smart targeting system with threat assessment and concealed weapon detector. And finally, colour. Hmm, that's odd. Never seen a Yajuta with silver eyes before, but I'm not going to tell her. It's pretty as hell. Shit, just said that out loud, didn't I? Um, yeah, okay. Set this all into place there and there we go, all done. He exclaimed for taking exactly the five minutes he just said he would, and he handed her back a completely new-looking eye that matched her organic one perfectly. T'Kel could not actually be, help but be impressed by the woman's craftsmanship and skill. It had taken him a grand total of five minutes, but the product that he'd returned to her was far superior than the one he'd, she'd handed to him. The picture this new eye gave off was vastly superior to even that of her real eye, it suddenly became all too clear to her While the spirits truly valued him and tolerated him. With the Halcraft I had no one with slightest level of technical skill. They had many skilled technicians, obviously, but no one like him. And he was her servant for the time being. Her pride suddenly swelled in her chest. Maybe having this skinny woman as a servant might just turn out for the better after all. He was certainly a lot more interesting than an hour ago. So, you are finished with your repairs now, woman? She asked, impatience, filling her voice. He nodded, packing up his kit and packing away the newly repaired comm unit for return to Reaper. All done. We can go now, he said. He went to take a step before she swatted him across the back of the head, and he winced, stumbling forwards and then turning towards her, holding the back of his head and looking hurt. Ah, what the hell was that for? he exclaimed, rubbing his head. Though she had not struck him hard, it was more of a playful tap than an actual strike. Oomans were just so porking fragile. You forget yourself when you're dressing me yet again, my ooman attendant. I have been lenient so far with your forgetfulness. But now, for every time you forget, I shall strike you, so that you will be less likely to forget in the future, she said, as he rubbed his head angrily. And she had to admit that his stubbornness and I were actually rather endearing in their own way. It showed that while he might come across a submissive weakling, there was a fire in his soul, and in his heart. Hmm, what would it look like if it were to be unleashed? And what would it take to unleash that part of him? These were questions that floated into her mind and took root like seeds that needing to be blooming. I thought you said you wouldn't strike me, mistress, he said, sounding upset about it but she could see that he was pushing that anger back down under a layer of fear, maybe? Did he fear her? No, it wasn't exactly fear, though fear was certainly a part of it. Though what it was was a mystery to her, a mystery that she needed to answer as well. I said I would not harm you. My sister said that if you were belligerent, I could discipline you. As long as I did not take it too far and I wind up causing you actual physical harm," she said with a smile that made him visibly shiver. "I'd taken a smack across the head—pretty harmful, Mistress." He whined in a soft voice that actually made her laugh, as it surprised her in an endearing quality and a pleasant enough-sounding nature. There is a difference between hurt and harm, woman. Harm lasts for a long time and leaves permanent marks or scars. "'Hurt simply causes physical pain or discomfort temporarily. "'I cannot cut your flesh. "'I cannot break your bones. "'I cannot do anything that would last you a lifetime or years. "'But I can discipline you by striking you. "'But, Ooman, if you are obedient and listen to my orders "'and to my instructions and obey them, "'then I will not have to discipline you, will I? "'Then you will find me to be a much more pleasant mistress.' She said with a smile that she actually tried to put some warmth into. But to be fair, she wasn't actually used to be trying to get people to like her, so she wasn't actually sure if it worked or not. But for some reason, she found herself wanting this ooman to feel at least very, at least comfortable around her. Preferably, he would like her as his mistress and obey her willingly. That way, it would be much more ideal and pleasant for both of them. That as she'd push him over the edge and she'd see the real ooman hiding under the façade but she did worry that the results could be rather unpleasant if she did that. But somehow the thought of breaking him rather appealed to her, and repelled her all at the same time. It was an interesting conundrum, to be sure. Now that they were packed up, the pair headed back downstairs to the main room where they found no one. seemed like everyone had headed off to their own thing to do elsewhere, with this free day before the archery all went out into the breach again. Spike put down Reaper's Commune and on the table for him to pick up later, as he'd obviously be busy with Martyr and Inferno right about now, and there was no way in a million years he was stupid enough to interrupt their private time. Only a fool gets between a Yujuta female and her prey, but throw a Xeno queen into the mix as well. Well, yeah, suicide didn't quite cover that, though he wasn't quite sure if doing so did qualify for a Darwin Award or not. Ooh, man. What did my sister mean when she said that you are good at foot rubs as well as back massages? Tekel asked, and he balked. He was hoping that she hadn't heard that. It was something that even embarrass the hell out of even him, but I had saved his ass from Inferno's eye more than once. It had all stemmed from the injuries he kept getting when practising his martial arts and self-defence training. Picasso had taught him how to massage muscles and to undo a lot of the damage without need for medication, "'or medical care. "'Then one time he'd pissed off Inferno "'by slipping a whoopee cushion into her seat in a meeting room, "'and despite the laughs he'd got for that one, "'her eye had followed him through the entire ship to the locker room, "'in which he'd tried to hide his penance. "'He'd offered to massage her feet "'after her next run on the treadmill, "'as he knew that it had always left her sore. "'She'd been surprised by the offer, but had accepted it, "'as she knew her feet would be sweaty and would be horrible.' but he'd obviously oppressed her with her technique because she turned it into a payment type that he could expect as a norm as a penance. Um, yeah, mistress, she was talking about the fact that I know a few different massage techniques. Picasso taught me in order to undo damage during exercise or martial arts. He also said that it would help me out with the girls, but yeah, fat lot of good it did there, he said, feeling a note of bitterness creeping into his voice. She cocked her head as was cleverly thinking this over. "'Is it pleasurable?' she asked, and he nodded. "'Yeah, I guess so. "'Never really had it done for me by anyone, to be fair. "'Picasso showed me how to do it, "'and I remember what he did show me did feel kind of good. "'But so far I've only really done it for other people. "'Never really actually had to do it for myself,' he said, "'and she clicked her mandibles thoughtfully. "'So it repairs damage.' "'relieves tension, and feels pleasurable?' she asked, and he nodded. "'Well, yeah, that's the general idea, mistress,' he said, "'heart-sinking as he had a funny idea where this was going. "'Very well, then. This is something I will experience as well. "'I've been on my feet for way too long, "'and these ooman foot-rubs are as good as you say they are. "'Then it is only right that as my attendant you perform one for me too.' he said and his heart sank like a brick it wasn't that he didn't like the idea of doing this for her in his opinion she was a rather beautiful and truly incredible yujuta woman he just didn't like the thought of having no say in it the idea of being forced to do this kind of thing really didn't sit well with him at all at least with inferno he was doing it as a penance this felt like he was giving away his talent for free for someone who hadn't earned it really but he supposed he did steal her first human kiss from her, which was kind of a big deal to people. He didn't know her sexual history and truly didn't want to know it. That was her history and her private business. But from her words, she'd never kind of had the liaison or relationship with any of his kind before. But then, to be fair, it had been his first kiss with anyone. Ever. Tickel walked over and placed a hand on his shoulder and he was actually surprised by how big her hand looked and felt on the slender woman's shoulder, even in his armour, which was obviously designed for both flexibility and strength. She also noticed that the spirits wore slightly different armour variants based on their particular styles. For instance, the one they called Tank actually looked like one, with the heavy plate style, whereas his mate, Moodstone, wore a type that was much tighter and designed around flexibility. She had to admit that it did make his form look rather nice even if he was a skinny and rather small but he was not an ugly male and his dark rich ebony skin did look rather smooth and fetching. Woman's skin had always fascinated her as it looked unbearably soft. She wondered how offered them any protection for anything at all. Using his shoulder she pushed him ahead of her amazed at how light he felt and she guided him towards one of the empty rooms that the spirits had had in this temporary HQ and secured for their use. Opening the door, with one hand, she guided the visibly nervous woman inside before closing it behind them. The room itself was fairly large, and in the centre it had a large double bed, that was obviously built for all species because of it being easily big enough for her. Looking to be about 15 feet long, the young woman stood in the middle of the room, looking around the plush and expensive furnishings. "'Damn! Wish I could afford to stay in a room like this in my downtime,' he said quietly as he looked at a very expensive-looking lamp. "'Do you not have your own place to stay, woman?' she asked curiously, and he turned to look at her and nodded. "'Oh yes, mistress, I do. And like the rest of the spirits, I kind of prefer to keep on the move. "'So I live on my own ship when I'm on my downtime. I guess I'm just a space baby at heart,' he said softly. "'You own your own ship?' "'And why does it matter to you if you can't stay at a place like this?' she asked curiously. "'Oh, I just said it would be nice is all. you all need a change now and then,' he said, and she shrugged. "'Honestly, she was impressed by the fact that he owned his own ship. "'It was expensive to own your own ship and to operate said ship too. "'So obviously he did earn enough, though he was just being modest. "'She never got what it was with Oumann's modesty.' He always seemed apprehensive about recognising their strengths, like it was some kind of flaw or something, and one that she never understood. She walked over to the large bed and sat down on it, revelling in how soft it was. It bounced a bit under her weight, and she had to fight an urge to bounce on it like an undisciplined youngling, and it made her smile. And she looked up to find the ooman looking at her with a curious smile on his pleasant face. What? "'She asked, and he shook his head. "'Nothing, mistress,' he said softly, "'but she sensed something like he was laughing at her, "'and she wanted to get to the bottom of his mirth. "'No, tell me. "'It would not be nothing or you would not smile like that. "'So what makes you smile?' "'She asked, letting a bit of menace creep into her voice. "'But his answer genuinely surprised her "'and robbed her of all her anger. "'I, uh, hadn't just... hadn't seen you smile before.' I uh, just thought it was kind of nice. You have um a pretty smile, he said, looking incredibly embarrassed as he said it. And in an instant, of anger just vanished like smoke in a breeze. Now she was left feeling kind of foolish. She hadn't meant any offence. He hadn't meant any offence by laughing at her. He'd just been happy that she was happy. And she'd basically scolded him for it. Her honour would not allow for this mistake to go uncorrected. If he had been laughing at her, she would have been swift to correct him for it, so she had to hold herself to the same standard if honour was to be upheld. "'I am sorry, woman. My tone was unkind. You did nothing wrong, and for this I apologize, she said, and he nodded, seemingly shocked by this. "'Um... thank you, mistress,' he said, looking genuinely surprised that she'd apologised to him, and she smiled at him again, because he was quick to accept her apologies.' So now, you will show me this Ooman foot-rub thing. Here, remove my boots for me, she said, and he nodded in agreement, looking a little sullen as he did. She couldn't help but wonder why, but she brushed it off, and as she lifted her foot up for him, he removed her armoured boot, releasing the position he was choosing. He got down on his knees at the end of the bed, and she shimmied back to lift her legs up for him. Spike sighed heavily as he got down on his knees at the end of the bed, as if this could be any more embarrassing. Now he was on his knees before her on the end of the bed. She was really taking this mistress thing to the bloody max. She seemed to be revelling in her having a human at her beck and call. But what could he bloody do? Reaper had basically given her his service as a personal attendant and made it so he had to obey her. So if she wanted a bloody foot rub, it was his job to provide her one. But that didn't mean he had to like it. Even if she was pretty, hell, it wasn't like he was opposed to giving a pretty girl a foot rub. Far from it. In fact, it was exactly the opposite. If she was his girl and he her guy, hell, he'd shower her in them all the time. All the foot rubs and massages his bloody arms could well handle. In fact, his mind cast it back to a particular fantasy that persisted in his head. A bloody soppy and probably stupid one to be sure, but it was his and he secretly loved it. It was one of him sharing a bath with a pretty Yejuda girl and she would let him soap her and clean her predlocks one by one and then he would slowly turn it into a shoulder massage that turned into them making love in the bath wa- water. But when he opposed supposed to doing this by forced, then hell, he hated being forced to do anything really. "'That's probably why Reaper had done this, to teach him a lesson. "'As he removed her huge boots, he revealed the large feet, "'and he couldn't help but be amazed by them. "'They were bigger than Inferno's feet, "'and she had a serious pair of tootsies. "'Instantly he saw the bruising and discoloration on them, "'and he couldn't help but be a little concerned. "'Um, Mistress, are you sure you're okay here? "'Must have been on your feet for quite some time to do this amount of damage.' Yes, and she scowled at him. "Are you calling me weak, ooman?" she asked, and he felt a little confused till he remembered how Yuta could feel if they felt you were insulting their honour. He shook his head, not at all, mistress. It's just I'm seeing some quite some damage here. It must look like its quite painful. I'm just amazed you were able to stand up at all. is all I'm not trying to insult you, I'm just worried is all. He said, and her expression changed to one of both confusion and then melting into surprise. "'It is not like I had a choice, Ooman. "'I have been on my feet for quite some time since we were dropped in, "'and with all that is outside, it's not like I had chance to rest,' "'she said, obviously confused by his concern. "'Spike nodded, and then he lifted her f- left foot up, inspecting her sole, "'and seeing the bruising on the cream-coloured underside of it. "'Okay, mistress, this first part is going to hurt.' Because of all the damage. But it shouldn't last too long for me to get the blood back into it. But it is going to feel like you dipped your foot into molten metal. The pins and needles are going to be all the way through it. But it should pass. And then it will feel like it's getting really hot. That's when the blood is going to surge back in. And at first it will hurt a little. But then it should feel better afterwards. He said doing his best to explain it to her. So she didn't swat him over the head for hurting her. Carol was genuinely surprised at his care for her. She wondered if maybe he was getting into the role of being her servant at last. Maybe. She gestured for him to continue. A little pain was not going to stop her from experiencing this. The woman lifted her foot up and she was now surprised by just how gentle his touch was. But by pyre did it hurt. The woman had not been kidding one bit when he said that it would hurt the first time. He began using his thubs to rub the sole of her foot and just as he had said it sent an explosion of pins right up to the centre of her foot like she'd stamped on a bed of nails. T'kelf laid her mandibles in pain and hissed. She saw once the woman glance up at her but his eyes were not smug at all. They were concerned. She actually felt both confused and touched by that. he genuinely seemed to care about her well-being like this. It was a nice trait and it genuinely lifted him in her approximation of him. He was a confusing male, to be sure. Definitely unlike any Yejuta male she'd ever encountered. He was proud in some ways, but not in others. A Yejuta male would never in a million years do something like this for his female. Though, to be fair, she doubted any female would do this for a male either. But humans were a genuinely strange race in so many ways. A flush of heat flashed through her foot, just like he said it would, and suddenly instantly began to spread outwards through all her toes and muscles. Almost immediately began to feel incredibly pleasant, and that's when the pleasure came. It hit her like a slap, and took her breath away. It felt completely and truly incredible. It sent a warm and wonderful sensation scurrying right up her leg, making her muscles pulse as the hot blood tried to fight its way down through the constricted blast vessels in her legs to get to her foot. And to her surprise, she growled in pleasure, instantly making her feel embarrassed that she'd done that in front of the woman. But instead of a self-satisfied smirk, the woman looked up, his eyes showing concern again. I didn't hurt you, did I, mistress? He asked as he stopped. A sudden flash of panic lit her soul up that he would stop and go no further. No, it did not stop. It did not hurt. Do not stop, man! She exclaimed too quickly and too harshly for her own liking and judging by the look on his face it obviously rattled him as well, actually making her feel kind of bad. He lowered his head and continued to work on her foot silently but now she could see the begrudging look on his face. He'd merely been showing concern and she'd bitten his head off once again. It was too easy to forget that Ooman's were sensitive creatures in many ways. And it appeared this Ooman male was one of the more sensitive. ''I am sorry, Ooman. I did not my- mean my tone to be harsh,'' she said, trying to make her tone soft. And he nodded without lifting his eyes, instead choosing to carry on his work. ''It's okay, mistress.'' he said quietly, but something in his voice said that it wasn't. But as far as she was concerned, he had chose to accept her apology and that was an end to it. He worked on for another twenty minutes solid on one foot, and by the time he was finished, her foot like felt like it was made of velvet. Her toes moved and wiggled freely. In fact, she could not even think of a time when her foot had felt this good. Suddenly she saw why her sister had suggested this to her. Did this mean that she had this on demand with her own Ooman? If so, she couldn't help but think how lucky she was. It appeared that there was something to these Oomans after all. Maybe this was why her brothers and sisters hunted them in droves. Was this the secret to Ooman love? As he moved on to her other foot, the girl suddenly noticed a surprising feeling was creeping up through her body like a robber in the night. As the pleasure intensified in her body... It brought with it a sneaking feeling of arousal. It had been a very long time since she had been aroused by the actions of a male and never ever by the actions of a male of another species. But here it was, creeping into the pit of her belly like a sneak thief. She looked up at him as he worked now and studied his face. She could not deny that he was particularly pleasing to look at. His features were soft and gentle. She particularly liked his ebony skin and how soft it looked. She wondered if it was as soft as it if it was as soft as it felt as it looked and She wondered if he would let her touch him, but then she wondered if she really needed to ask his permission on that, given that he was acting she was acting as his mistress since his senior FNCO gifted her a service. surely that meant she could do as she pleased with him, right as he finished with her feet. She found herself not wishing this to stop. She didn't wish it to end right now, as she was enjoying this touch. This woman had wonderfully dexterous hands, and she was eager for him to continue with this. All right, all done, mistress, he said, letting go of her feet and leaving them dangling over the edge of the bed. Very good, woman. You have done well. Now tell me, feet are feet the only body part you can do? "'Or do the same methods can be applied to other th- parts as well?' she asked eagerly, and she saw him look both surprised and curious for a moment. Um no. Feet aren't the only thing. "'It can be applied pretty much anywhere if used right. "'Though I've only ever really used them on shoulders and legs myself. "'Though only my own,' he said thoughtfully. "'Then this is what you will do for me too. "'I want you to do both my shoulders and my legs.' she said in a demanding voice, and he looked up, surprised. But he nodded all the same. Um, OK, where would you like me to start? And do we have any oils? he asked, curiously. Oils? she asked, confused. Yeah, it's a lot easier with oil to soften the skin and to reduce the friction, he said softly, then he got up and went to the bathroom with, before returning with what appeared to be a small pot of oil. Found some. Found some. I figured a place like this would have something lying around for the convenience of their customers, he said opening the small red glass pot that smelled faintly of flowers. Most definitely was not something that one would choose to smell like, but if it meant that he would continue, then she would accept it. Um, so where would you like me to start? He asked, looking up and down. Her heart immediately began to hammer in her chest in anticipation. My shoulders first. "'she said, then pointed to her chest-plating. "'Help me remove this. "'And when you are done, remove your own armor." "'she said, which made him freeze up. "'My armour? "'Um, why am I removing my armour, mistress?' "'he stammered in a surprisingly cute and very timid voice, "'full of both surprise and shock. "'Well, if I am to be sat around in my underwear, "'then it is only fair that you are too.' It is not right for you to be fully dressed. Why should you get a gaze upon my body but not I yours? Or are you afraid to show me your body, man? Afraid that it will not measure up to a juta male, she said teasingly. Spike grimaced and looked her right in the eyes. He knew he was being baited and he didn't like it. She was the one who had asked him for a massage, not the other way around. He didn't see why he should have to get undressed too. He really didn't like f- like the thought, and he didn't like the feeling either. He didn't feel like she had earned the right to see his body. Though, to be fair, he didn't feel like he'd earned the right to see hers either. But if he was going to have to give her a massage, like she was asking him to, then he really didn't have a choice, did he? But did that give her the right to demand he took his gear off too? Shit, this was all so bloody confusing. He was beginning to lose focus on what was right or wrong now. It was like it was all beginning to blur into something different. Suddenly he was beginning to just dis- realise why people described these things as shades of grey. But he still felt like some things should always be black and white. Tekel got off the bed and stood up to allow him to remove her armour. And try as he might, he couldn't stop his hands from trembling. This was his first time undressing a girl, and it was not all at all how he expected it would go. He slowly undid the clasps and removed the outer plates. To his surprise, unlike Inferno, she didn't wear an undersuit under it, just a bra, holding up a very ample chest, which he couldn't help himself from looking at. Are you staring at my breasts, Ooman? She asked in a flasked and almost angry-sounding voice that sent pulses of fear through him. Shit, he'd been caught out. I'm trying not to, mistress, he said, his voice panicked. She looked down at her ample chest, which he noticed had even more scars on it. In fact, she seemed to have quite a collection, almost as many as Reaper did, and he was fucking covered in the damn things. "'Why not? Is there something wrong with my chest?' she asked, looking down and Spike realised that he'd been suckered into a no-answer question. Whatever he said, he was sunk, so if that were the game they were going to play, then it would probably be best to answer honestly.' If he was going to get swatted, at least it wouldn't be for being dishonest. No, it's not at all that. In fact, quite the opposite. You're most lovely in that department. But I feel I haven't exactly earned the right to look at you like that, have I? He said, realising how bloody foolish that sounded even as the words came out of his mouth. A fact that seemed to be backed up by the way she was looking at him right now. You humans are a strange bunch. I believed it would be obvious that I gave you my permission the the moment I told you to remove my armour, but not to stay. Look, yes, but I am your mistress and you will respect that, she said, and he nodded, grateful to not be struck around the head. Yes, mistress, he said, and she nodded approvingly. Good. Now remove my skirt and my thigh armour as well, she said, and Spike's heart froze again. He was seriously going to be in a room with a deadly and truly beautiful Yezuda girl in jester her underwear? Oh boy, he was going to have a seriously hard time with this one. Tell Kel noticed his trembling hands as he removed both her skirt and her thigh armour. They were shaking so badly they actually made the plates on her thigh armour rattle. His nerves and his obvious fear were actually rather endearing, and rather than being annoying, as she thought they would be, Though she didn't know if it was him or her that was making him nervous, or rather the situation that he was finding himself in. Once her arm was on the floor next to the bed, she turned to him. It's your turn now, Uman. My, I will take your armour off you, she growled at him. He shook his head and her mandibles flayed. You can't, mistress, he said in a soft-sounding voice that actually sounded somewhat apologetic. And why not? Are you disobeying me? She asked menacingly, looking him up and down as he held up his hands like he was surrendering. No, not at all. It's just no one can but a spirit can remove another spirit's armour. It's coded and locked to prevent it from being taken off us should we be rendered unconscious. It's a security feature, he said, and her temper cooled somewhat. She had not known that spirits took the security that seriously. Hmm, very well then. You will take it off, and I will watch you she said purring at the idea of him stripping for her. In fact, she actually liked this idea better than the original one. He looked very embarrassed now, and surprisingly rather ashamed, which surprised her slightly as she wondered why he would be ashamed of. But he nodded and began to take it off slowly. Spike couldn't help but feel the shame of being made to undress like this. It made him feel supremely vulnerable and exposed, and he didn't like it one bit. Not one bit. He'd always dreamed of being naked in the mercy of a supremely powerful and strong to girl, but now that he was experiencing the reality, it wasn't living up to the fantasy one bit. But what else could he do but obey? He slowly unclipped the clasps for his armour and removed it all, stripping down to his jet black undersuit. Like all of them, he wore nothing under this thermally lined full bodysuit and he could feel her eyes on him the entire time. He could feel the heat coming from his cheeks the entire time as well. "'What is this, old man? "'You why you wear a second suit under the first one?' she asked curiously. "'It's a thermal suit, designed to keep us warm in cold temperatures and cool in hot temperatures,' he said, trying to explain. Suddenly he noticed her looking down when he glanced down as well. His shame grew even worse.' He realised his body had betrayed him and the bulge in the the front of his suit gave away that fact. While he was in this thoroughly uncomfortable situation he actually liked what he'd saw in the form of a scantily clad body which in his mind had opened up a whole new can of questions like was it fair on her that he was able to look at her when she wasn't at him? So did he have any right to feel both embarrassed and ashamed of what he could see? Take it off, man. I wish to see what is underneath it, she said, sounding a little breathless and eager. Did she actually like what she saw in him? He knew he liked what he saw in her, but he didn't like this whole pi- power dynamic thing at all. He always thought that when, he, when a woman saw him naked for the first time, it would be something he chose to do and wasn't being forced into that they would be equals and would be both eager for it no more or no less but, but, but I'm naked underneath it he exclaimed his heart leaping into his chest he couldn't deny that he was at least one part excited but the remaining parts were fear and shame not to mention embarrassment and they were drowning that are you defying me? she asked bluntly and he looked her in the eyes "'seeing a commixture of anger and and something that was maybe hunger? "'I didn't say that, mistress. "'I'm just saying that underneath this thing I'm naked,' he said, sounding the same. "'So, what is your problem, woman? "'Are you ashamed of your own body? "'You would believe that it would pain me to see it?' "'She asked, and that confession confused him. "'No, it's not that.' he said before she could finish she, f- she cut him off then there is no problem take it off and let me see you she demanded stepping forwards and looming over him cutting an incredibly powerful and intimidating figure that made him shrink back in fear under the sheer presence of her he knew that your girls could be intimidating hell he lived with Inferno but she'd never been like this with him this was different to what he was used to with her while she was scary as hell He never feared that she would actually hurt him. With this girl, he had no idea what she was truly capable of and right now he began to experience a very real and very genuine fear. Backing up a couple of steps, he slowly reached up to the neck and began to unzip the suit, pulling it down his body like a giant black banana skin, peeling himself out of it till it was laid on the floor like a giant black puddle leaving him standing there naked, afraid and ashamed in the middle of the room, feeling the weight of her gaze upon him. T'Kel felt utterly invigorated as her ooman stripped the skin-tight black suit off, revealing underneath that his skin was just as black as the suit itself. He was utterly ravishing. She couldn't believe how truly beautiful he was under that suit. Suddenly the ooman hunts made more sense to her. They were beautiful. Truly and utterly beautiful. She had no idea that oomans were like this. She had always wondered. But seeing one up close like this left her completely breathless. His smooth ebony skin, his clearly defined muscles were exquisite. Granted, he was nowhere near as big as a jute male was. Well, in all but one place anyway. Because as her eyes roamed down, his beautiful and toned body, she spined his manhood... Hiding very poorly behind his hands, and in one swift movement, she stepped forward and snatched his hands away, revealing him fully to her, and making him yelp in surprise as he was grabbed. His manhood was about seven, maybe eight inches long, and about an inch and a half thick, and its shape was purely magnificent. It had a flared and wide tip that looked like it would stretch any flesh it touched, and would feel truly amazing. As she looked she began to run through devilishly ideas and thoughts in her mind. Surely as her servant, it would be her right to sample him, right? Spike's heart was utterly bouncing in his chest. Felt like it was trying to bust through his ribs like a chest burster. He was trying his hardest to hide his pure fear from her, because he didn't want her to think any less of him than she blatantly already did. Hmm, not bad at all, Ooman. I must say, I find myself impressed. I had no idea Ooman's could be so well-proportioned, not to mention aesthetically pleasing, she said through a deep throaty growl in her voice. He found himself surprised by this. Did she find him attractive? Jesus, he was so confused. Some part of him liked that, but another part of him utterly hated it. Ah, his mind felt like it was going to break clean into bits. He just didn't understand this mixture of feelings as it was burning through him now. He liked to kill aesthetically. She was a truly breathtaking woman—beautiful, powerful, intimidating, strong—everything you could ever want to wish from a Yajuta woman. But at the same time, she was scary as hell, and truly forceful, and he didn't like that part one bit. He didn't want to feel so bloody afraid of her so bloody scared out of his mind. Surely it was his right who got to sh- show his naked flesh too, right? Surely it was his right to have some dignity in himself and not to be made to feel afraid and intimidated into doing things he wasn't comfortable with? Come, my old man. It's time for you to do this massage thing you have promised me, she said, and with that, he wondered what, to, at what point did he promise her anything. But he turned and allowed her to push him towards the bed, "'before climbing onto it as she followed him. "'Now, how should I be, my woman?' "'She asked, looking at him expectantly. Um, "'Either one of two ways works for both, really, mistress. "'So it's a matter of choice on what makes you feel comfortable. "'For the shoulders and the back, "'either laid down or sat with your back to me. "'For the legs, again, "'either laid down or with your back on the edge of the bed. "'It's up to you,' he said.' She looked thoughtful and then nodded before turning her back to him and began sat facing away from him. Begin, she said in a very commanding voice. So he did. He coated his hands in the very flowery smelling oil and began moving up behind her. He began to work his fingers into her hard, steel-like shoulder muscles. It was like trying to mash our iron ingots under a rough skin. This was the very first time properly touching a juta and the skin of hers felt like the feet didn't count. Kel began to growl, and he couldn't tell if it was a ple- pleasure-based growl or an anger-based one, as they were very similar. But she didn't strike him, so he guessed it had to be a pleasure-based one, or at least swinging down that end of the scale. Yes, Ooman, this is good. I like this. Do not stop this. She growled, further backing that up. He had to admit he really did like making her feel good like this. He really liked the way her skin felt, too. He also liked the unusual smell that was coming off her as well. Takel had never felt like anything like this in her life. It was like pleasure in its purest form. The way this beautiful woman's hands worked and pushed blood into all of her muscles, making them throb and pulse underneath them. It was wonderful beyond words, and it also seemed to make time speed up to the point where if you blinked, you'd miss it. It felt like one moment he was beginning the next. He was patting her shoulder to tops with his nimble and wonderful hands. There we go. All done. Your shoulders are all fixed, mistress, he said, moving around her to the side. Anger surged through her. She didn't want this to end. She didn't want him to stop. But as she moved her arms, she realised that he was indeed right. Her arms now felt as light as the air itself. You shall do my legs now, yes? She asked, and he nodded. She moved to the edge of the bed and lowered them to the ground. Seeing this, he moved off the bed and moved around so that he was between her legs on his knees. Between her little, massive legs. Then begin, woman oh man, she said commandingly. Spike was utterly rapt by how strong her legs were. He could literally feel the sheer power that she had in them and given that he had seen them with his own eyes how far Inferno could jump. He knew there was more than enough power in these thighs of hers to crush him flat, so being between these things these between these long legs—was both scary as hell and exciting too. He couldn't help but take a glance up at her crotch, which was positioned directly in front of him, and the fact that her thong-like underwear did very little to cover up her modesty. He couldn't help but feel the rush of blood to certain parts of him that accompanied it. If she thought his touch on her feet and shoulders was incredible then the feeling on her legs was purely divine. The way his nimble fingers worked their way up each of her calves in turn making them pulse and burn with pleasure as he worked the blood back into them was heavenly. When he was finished with her calves he moved up onto her thighs and she couldn't help it. The sight of him on his knees between her legs like this began setting off feelings she'd never imagined in a lifetime that she would ever feel for an old man. It was so purely turning her on. Her arousal began to burn like in her belly like liquid fire. With every move of his hands it grew brighter and brighter and brighter till she could barely stand it. Suddenly the words a tank had whispered into her ear swam down into her mind like a surge of power in her heart. She looked down at the position her was in and he worked and he was working and she realised that every so often he was glancing up at her womanhood, and a smile broke out across her mandibles. There we go, mistress, finished. So, how do they feel? Smike said, resting back on his heels between her legs. She flexed and stretched out first her left and then her right, and nodded approvingly. Exceptional, Ooman. You have done very well. I am most impressed with you, but you have left me with a great want and need. So now, shall we move on to the next thing you shall do for me? She said with a deep growly purr in her voice. He looked up at her and she moved her hips forward so that she was sat right on the edge of the bed with her thighs spread far apart. He glanced down. This is what you shall massage for me next. She said, reaching down and pulling her underwear to one side to reveal her sopping wet mating hole to him. And his eyes went as white as dinner plates. Spike's heart both jumped for joy and sank like a stone all at once. He was utterly stoked to get to see something so beautiful, but then reviled into being pushed into it. He realised that, no, his instincts were right. This was going too far now. He had to put an end to this. Your comrade Tank told me that you humans like to lick the meeting halls of your females to please them and pleasure them. "'And I believe that if it is good enough for Ooman's, then it is good enough for for me too. "'You shall please me in this way, and I expect you to do a good job, or I shall not be pleased. "'Do not disappoint me now, Ooman. "'I do not wish to punish you after you have done such a good job so far. "'So get your head in there, and I expect to feel your tongue as deep as it will go into my mating hole. "'So now, begin!' she snarled and Spike's heart leapt in fear. Mistress, I don't, he began, but before he could finish his sentence, then she grabbed the back of his head, seizing his hair and pushing his face in between her legs slamming his mouth against her sopping wet inner lips the incredible smell of her arousal overwhelmed him and made his head go foggy enough talk, man. now is not the time for talking, it is the time for licking if you do a good job, your reward will be worthy of it She snarled, rubbing his mouth against her pussy, so that his mouth was forced to open up. Her grip on his hair was painful, as was the strength which was forcing his face into her pussy too. He actually felt his jaw being forced open at the risk of breaking it, and his nose was being crushed. Spike had never been so scared in his life. All his strength, all his power, just gone. He was powerless. Helpless against this incredible woman. Under any other circumstance, he would have been completely stoked to have given the chance to do this for her. Hell, in fact, he'd have fucking fallen over himself to get the chance. But not like this. Not like this. This. This was wrong. But despite his heart breaking in his chest, Spike did as he was ordered to. He stuck out his tongue and began to lick the incredibly sweet and spicy-tasting flesh of her pussy. The incredible bright, pale green colour was amazing. So many emotions ran through his head and heart all at once. He was happy that he made this incredible woman feel happy and was so fired up that she'd lost control of herself like this that she found him so attractive that she was willing to go this far just to experience this from him. So why then did he feel like his heart was breaking right down the middle? Why did he feel like he was going to cry at any moment? Kell had never felt anything like it. She'd never imagined anything like it either. It was sublime. A true gift from Pyra herself, it had to be. This woman was a gift from the great goddess herself. She felt his hot, slimy, wide tongue working among the folds of her flesh, prying them apart and worming its way in between them. It burned pleasure into her very soul with everything that it touched. And that's when it found her clitoris. And literally destroyed her mind she pushed her hips forward pushing a swollen clit into his mouth and f- holding his head clamp between her thighs and with her hand she was taking it further and further down the rabbit hole it was only after he stopped licking and began struggling that she realised he couldn't breathe and she eased back the tension on his hell head letting him pull back and take a huge gulp of air before pushing him back in again Though this time she left his nose exposed so he could breathe. She didn't want to hurt him after all. Tears were burning his eyes now. He was fighting his very soul to stop himself from just breaking down. He felt like shit. He felt completely and utterly worthless now. He'd very nearly suffocated. And it was only when he'd been on the verge of passing out did she actually pull back and let him take air. But even then she just pushed him straight back in again though at least she had allowed him to keep his nose free so he could at least breathe now. But he couldn't pull away, no matter how much he wanted to. He wanted to stop. Yes, it was something he wanted to do to her. Something he'd have given freely if she'd have just asked. But there was no asking here. This was force. This was being forced. He was being forced. The pleasure in T'Kel reached epic proportions, and though his tongue slid back up inside her again, exploded with a swift push of her hand, she sealed his mouth against her mating hole, forcing him to swallow what felt like gallons of her nectar that pumped out of her as the explosion went off. There was nothing like it on this world, on any world. She suddenly realised what she'd been missing out on, what she'd been missing her whole life. She was making this woman hers, no matter what it took. She was claiming this beautiful Uman male. Even if she did live only a fraction as long as he she did, she was keeping him. This Ooman was going to be hers and no one else's. She was going to claim him, claim him and make him the happiest Uman alive for the rest of his life. And it would start right porking now. She was going to make this unclaimed Uman a man tonight. She was going to reward his good works with her body. She was going to mate him and make him beg for more but little did she know that right now that little woman who had just run away with her heart had had his home broken in two. Spike panted hard, trying to order his thoughts, but his mind felt like mush. His emotions were all over the place, and he was desperately trying to keep himself in order. His mouth was coated with gallons of feminine nectar that had just been pumped down his throat. He'd be, li- he'd be lying if he'd said he'd hated the taste. He didn't. He liked it, but then he hated the fact that he did like it. But he hated what it had just... The fact that I actually, utterly hated it. He felt like a piece of meat. Like he was worthless. Like he didn't matter at all. Like all that he was worth was what he could give. Tears were running freely down his cheeks now. Suddenly he was yanked up from between her legs and his face was jammed roughly against between her open mandibles. Before he could even cry out in surprise her tongue was in his mouth swirling around and fighting his for dominance. Suddenly he found himself spinning like he was la- being laid out flat on the bed and Dekel was mounting him. His sudden disorderment of his mind suddenly grasped what was about to happen to him and it snapped. It was fight or flight time and it triggered. He, this time he decided to fight. He reached up and tried to push her off him "'but she caught all of his wrists and slammed him back down hard "'as he was trying to fight to sit up. "'Feisty, Ooman, I like it when you wrestle with me. "'I will win your body and your heart, Ooman, just see if I don't. "'You will belong to me, Ooman, to me and me alone. "'Now I see why my sisters hunt your kind in droves. "'You are a gift from the Divine,' she growled in a deep voice full of want. "'The dam just broke in spike.' and the tears began to pour out of him like a child. She was leaning down, nipping painfully at his shoulder with her mandibles. "'Please don't. Please. Stop. Please don't do this. You're hurting me. Please, it hurts. Not like this. Please not like this. Please,' he said, literally begging." his voice barely above a whisper as his shame broke in him, turning his soul inside out. He had never begged anyone for anything in his entire life. Not once. But here, here he was, begging this beautiful Yuta woman to stop. Takel chuckled to herself as she heard the woman's play begging. He was really playing this well, really well, she had to admit. She never would have imagined that he would get this far into it but boy did he really know how to push all the ruddy buttons. Play fighting, playing the fighting back card, followed by this utterly helpless card. It triggered all the right primal responses in her. She had never been so aroused in her life. Suddenly a voice whispered in her head like a soft silk, but as soft as it was, it carried a menace like nothing she had ever felt in her life. And just by pure instinct alone, "'She heard. She knew that the voice she was hearing "'was the voice of Pai, the goddess of the hunt herself. "'Stop, my daughter. "'Do not force him. "'Do not defile that Uman. "'If you do, I swear this to you, "'there will be no forgiveness for you, "'for one such as you. "'I will seal the eternal hunt from you, "'and you will walk forever alone "'in the emptiness of the void for what you will have done.' If you force that kind, gentle woman any further, you will regret it. I will make sure of it myself. The voice said, both stroking her mind and booming through her senses like thunder in her head. And with that, T'Kel froze and snapped out of her arousal by sheer force of divine will. And that's when she heard him. That's when she truly heard him. His fear, his shame... Is pure and raw grief. It was all there. This wasn't playing at all. He was actually begging her to stop. And she'd very, very nearly ignored his desperate pleas. And a true fear like she'd never experienced before flooded her heart. Please. No. Please don't. Not like this. Please. I... "'Don't want this!' he sobbed pitifully. "'Spike felt so utterly ashamed of himself, "'more ashamed than he'd ever imagined it was possible to feel, "'or for him to bear. "'He was sobbing like a child, pinned down and helpless, "'naked as a day he was a-born and afraid, "'scared out of his mind, "'and doing something he'd never thought he'd ever do. "'He was begging for his virginity, for his purity to remain intact.' Something he'd strived so hard to lose and now was begging to be allowed to keep. What the hell was happening to him? This woman was everything he'd ever desired. Everything he'd ever craved. She was a truly beautiful, fiery daughter of Pyre. Any other day he'd have been trying to think of a way to get her to notice him and not to punch his head in at the same time. But right now he wished that she would. Then he just wouldn't have to feel like this kel lifted her head and looked down at the woman underneath her and that's when she saw it a sight that just as long as she would ever live she would never forget the woman was sobbing his heart out actual tears were pouring out of his eyes and he looked utterly terrified and pained raw primal actual fear raw and unchecked it gripped her heart like a cold vice like a grip of death itself "'Suddenly she realised she'd made a monumental and colossal mistake here. "'Spike? Are you okay? she asked slowly and softly as she could manage, "'slowly releasing his wrists and moving herself backwards. "'No sooner was she off him than he was up like a shot out of a gun barrel and across the room "'and hunkered down in the corner, pressing himself into the wood "'and wrapping his arms around his knees.' and his whole naked body trying to cover himself and protect himself from her. What she saw ripped her heart clean in two. The pain in his eyes was horrific. He looked confused, disgusted. He is disgrace, it was just real. She had defiled him. She had taken what was not offered freely or joyfully by force. She had taken the fantasy too far. And as a result, she'd hurt this beautiful, innocent woman in such a powerful and disgusting way that a shame so raw and extreme gripped her heart and soul that it dropped her to her knees in the middle of the room. And she felt like her heart and soul had been torn out, taking her very soul along with it, leaving behind a chasm of pain, misery, guilt and unending shame. She had become a mate defiler, "'Before today, she possibly would have found the sight "'of a fully-grown Ooman male sobbing his heart out "'to possibly be amusing. "'She probably would have laughed and yelled at him "'to go and find a pair of balls and grow the set for himself. "'But not now. "'She had done this. "'She had torn these emotions from him. "'She alone had caused this. "'Her vile actions had done this to him. "'His sense of honour she had made him to obey.' She had, as fear had earlier, she had wondered what would happen if she truly broke him. Now she knew. And she completely and utterly hated herself for it. For she had broken and stained something so innocent and pure that it stained her own soul. Breaking him was not what she had truly wanted at all. But she had realised this too little, too late. What she had wanted to actually give him was strength. Confidence and a power to call his own. But instead she had done this to him and it was truly porking awful. Spike, I'm sorry. I'm so porking sorry. Please, please forgive me. I didn't mean to. I I thought you were happy to do these things with me. I did not realise that you didn't want to. Please believe me if I had known... I would have stopped, but but, I thought you were enjoying it. I thought you were happy serving me. It's no excuse for what I've done to you, from what I have taken from you, that I cannot give back. And there is no forgiveness, but I beg for it all the same. I offer the only thing that I have that is of equal value for the pain that I have caused you. I offer my life as payment for this... At the disgrace that I have caused I have shamed myself and I have shamed my clan I do not deserve to live with this knowledge and joy that was not meant for me, so please say the word and I will take this blade of mine and I will end my life right here and right now in disgrace, and I will stand before Pyre and accept her judgement or or you can do it yourself I will not resist your judgement either way she said, moving slowly across the room, kneeling down and holding out a blade to him. Spike's head was in a mess. He heard her in the fuddlement. He heard her words, and he heard the weight of the pain behind them. A part of him screamed out for it, for the vengeance he now felt he was owed, for the reclaimment of his solid honour after what she had done to him and forced him to do. But at the same time, it was the pain of her voice that hit him like a slap. It hit him so hard that it forced him to lift his head and dry his tear filled eyes so that he could truly see her. And what he saw shocked him more than words and justice could ever do. Before him, on her knees, with her head touching the floor and her hand outstretched, Tekel held out a wicked looking dagger to him. She wanted him to kill her for what she had done. She wanted him to end her life rather than to live with the shame of living with the fact that she had defiled another sentient being, that she had forcibly taken away their right to choose and their right to say no, what was done with their flesh. But even with what she had done, he couldn't bring himself to do it. He just couldn't bring himself to take the life of a being this beautiful away from the world. She had survived hell itself, only to be killed by her own hand for making a stupid fucking mistake in the heat of a moment and that's what it was and he could see it clearly now a mistake a big one yes but a mistake all the same if she had truly not cared about him or about the way he had felt then she would have just carried on she would not read right now on her knees in front of him offering him her death as payment for her honour and for his honour as well But here she was. Something inside Mike snapped. Like a part of his brain that had been blocked off from him. And it suddenly lit up. Thoughts and feelings whirled from him. And suddenly he just felt so completely clear. I don't want that. I don't want you to die, Dekel. He sniffed, clearing away the tears and trying to speak clearly through his mottled voice. She lifted her head. And he saw something that he never in his life would ever forget. A huntress crying. The weight of this hit him like a hard slap. He had never in his life ever imagined a yuzu to be incapable of crying. But right now, her bright silver eyes, he saw the pain and the self-loathing. He saw clearly that she not only understood now what she had done, but hated herself for it. And he didn't want that. Not at all. "'You took my service for me sullying your honour with a kiss, correct?' "'He said, pulling himself out of the corner "'and summoning every single ounce of strength he had left "'for what he was about to do and what he was about to suggest to do. His "'His legs shook like rubber bands, but he forced them to hold him. "'She looked at him in confusion and nodded. "'And now you offer me your life in payment "'for the fact you sullied mine worse, correct?' He said, she sniffed and nodded, looking at the dagger in her hand. If you cannot do it yourself, I will do it myself, if that is what you wish, she said. Fine then, I accept your life as payment, but I want this to be very, very clear. I accept your life, not your death, he said, and her head snapped up. "'a look of pleat and pure confusion in her eyes. "'I... I... I do not understand,' she said, and he nodded. "'Oh, I can see that. "'And that is one of the many things that I will teach you "'on our journey together to Kel. "'You see, I'm claiming your life as my own. "'You said that I would belong to you and to no other. "'Well, now I'm turning the fucking tables. "'Your life is my payment.' And it comes with conditions, such as this. You're my equal, not my better, not my inferior, my equal. You will stand by my side, tall and proud, as I will stand by yours. I will fight for you, and I know you will fight for me. Because this is the day you will learn something about us, Umans. We can forgive someone we love when they make a mistake he Said, and Tikal's mandibles just dropped open. Love? She exclaimed, and he nodded. That's right, you porking heard me. Love. You were about to claim me for the same fucking reason, right? You got a taste of what we can do, and you realize that while we're small and weak, we're far from pathetic. Now imagine this, Tikal that what you nearly made me do, and what you did make me do, Which you forced me to do. Imagine this. Imagine I do it freely. Of my own choice. Of my own want to do it for you. To make you happy. Because, and here's the real kick. If you'd simply asked me to, I would have done it. You didn't have to force me. You didn't need to force me. I would have simply given it to you. Do you understand now? Do you fucking see? He said and she looked even more shocked. You would have given it to me, she asked looking at her hands. And he nodded. Not like that. And I don't ever, ever want it to be like that again. Don't get me wrong. I love how strong you are. It turns me on. But there is no need to force what is given willingly. And there is no need to humiliate either, he said proudly to Kel's head fell forward I, I, I don't deserve it I don't deserve your love not after what I did on my world the sentence for mate defiling these days is death she said and Spike knelt down before and lifted her chin to make her look at him no you don't deserve it but I'm giving it to you all the same of my own free will of my own fucking choice that is fucking mine to make so if you want it Claim it. Claim me, and I'll be yours forever. But know this. Treat me like a servant again, or hurt me like that again, and I won't ever forgive you. Not now, or ever. I know FYI here. The sentence is death. Just one at my side, not at my hand, he said. T'Kel broke, and with lightning speed she dropped the dagger and threw her arms around him holding him so tight that he felt his ribs creak under the weight and power of her grasp, which was fed not only by her strength, but her weakness and her emotions. He endured it. Thank you, Ooman. Thank you, Spike. You truly are a gift from the goddess herself. A gift I don't, not in any way, deserve. But I accept your terms. I hereby pledge my life to you. You will be my male, and I will be your female from here on till the day I die. No other male will ever touch me. I am yours now and always, she said, and he leaned down and once again lifted her chin. And as tenderly as he could, he kissed her mouth. As I pledge to you the very same to But, um, I have a request here, he said. Name it my male. "'Anything. There is nothing I will not do for you,' she said. "'Can we, um, wait to have our first time? "'My emotions are all over the place, and I just can't tonight. "'I just can't,' Spike said, "'as what felt like a ton weight lifted off each shoulders and fell away. "'My male, I would wait till you were on your deathbed for you to be ready, "'if that is what you wished. "'Never again will I make you fear.' Never again will I make you feel the shame to be in your own skin. I swear this to you, she said, and he smiled softly, with him leaning over her as much as she leaned on him. They made their way over to the bed, and the pair sat together, and with no barrier and no pride getting in the way anymore, the pair just broke and cried together. They clung to one another, of the weight of what they had both just experienced crashed into them, like a ship out of control. For the first time in her life, T'Kell knew what it was to be not only truly forgiven, but to be truly unjudged. And Spike, Spike learned what it was to be truly strong. After two hours of solid crying, in both joy and pure pain, for wrongs old and new, the pair literally just slumped together into the bed, and fell sound asleep together, clinging to one another, for nothing would ever Ever break them apart ever again. And that was chapter twenty one, part three, ladies and gentlemen. Now this one was an emotional roller coaster. I do, I do have to admit. But rereading that after so many years after writing it, and it brought back quite a few memories, which you might have heard in my voice from time to time. So yeah, but all, I do hope you enjoyed it all the same. I mean, it is. Uh, it was a rather painful. And And tricky subject to sort of broach time to time and I have touched upon it once or twice throughout the works like in Chronicles and in this one and I do hope that I kind of accurately put it into words for everybody and I do hope that you know you can enjoy the experience for what it is in a written form or now in an audio form so until next time this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying I'll see you next time